Yo, 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 Big Sky Breakdown, Colter Nuanas. As always, you can find this podcast, SkylineSportsMT.com. Thanks to all the great listeners out there, man. Our downloads are through the roof. Exciting football season. Got both Montana and Montana State in the top 10. When you got five Big Sky Conference teams in the top 25, you already know Skyline Sports is excited because that means great coverage of great football teams, and we've been missing it. We're happy to bring it back to you. So thanks so much for tuning in and hanging out with us. This Big Sky Breakdown, straight-up analysis, baby. Ty Gregorak, former longtime assistant coach, within the greatest rivalry in the West. Ed Brooks Nuanez, our go-to analyst when it comes to Skyline Sports stuff, especially for the game of football. Both of them join me. Please enjoy the Big Sky Breakdown, presented in part by Blackfoot Communications. Thanks to Blackfoot for supporting all of our podcasting needs, as well as Alpine Touch. Thanks so much to Alpine Touch for being such a great supporter of all the things we do and providing you with some of the tastiest spices you can find anywhere in Montana. Alpine Touch. Visit alpinetouch.com. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. Big Sky Breakdown rolls on. Ty Gregorak joining us now here on the Big Sky Breakdown, which is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications as well as Alpine Touch. Coach Ty, how you living? I saw maybe a little uh, repeat another Halloween weekend. Man, I tell you, your kids got it pretty good. We, you know, I, I don't know if it's as much the kids as it is the parents. I mean, <laughs> right. I mean, we, we, we usually have uh, multiple costumes for multiple days. We were, we were uh, the Beetlejuice crew for uh, actual Halloween this year uh, with my son being Beetlejuice and Gabby being Lydia and we were uh, the two uh, the two parents so it, it we we love Halloween I'll put it to you that way and if anyone fo- follows us on social media they'll know exactly what we're talking about how do you get the kids sold on something from so long ago because usually these kids want Moana or trolls or all the new stuff how do you get them sold on Beetlejuice that's like from our childhood they actually love the movie, and we have talked about it for years now. I mean, uh, you know, Gabby's going to be eight this weekend. Jax is six, but they, they love the movie. And I love the fact that uh, they love good movies like that. You know, they don't make movies like they used to, Coulter, as you and I both know. So the fact that they're uh, begging for Beetlejuice, uh, I, I love it. So, yeah, the, 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 other, the other kids can be Moana and Elsa and all that stuff. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go old school. Well, on the big sky horizon, speaking of frightening things, Eastern Washington's red turf always frightens me, even though I was counting up in my head. That was my 20th trip to the Inferno to cover a game, and uh, they've had a lot of guys that have drawn me that way three hours west on I-90. It's uh, not a bad drive, but it's always a worthwhile drive because Eastern always gets into these thrilling-type games. They always have fun players to watch, and they always give the Montana schools their best shot. That said, although the final margin was 23-20 to Saturday and Montana State emerged with their first victory in Cheney in 10 years. I actually thought Montana State dominated that game much higher level than what the final score indicated. I mean, here's one of many statistics I could give you, but after their second touchdown in the first quarter, Eastern Washington gained 33 total yards in the next 32 game minutes. So a pretty dominant performance by the Bobcat defense. It absolutely was. It was uh, it was awesome to watch. Uh, I think you and I texted during the game, and it was like the, the score wasn't indicative. It was not that close of a game. There, there was a lot of missed opportunities. I bet the Bobcats are, are kicking themselves uh, with, with with you know some some stuff that they left out there. I mean, Tro- Troy was named Player of the Week as he should have been, and he had essentially a you know he got credited for two pbus one of them was right in his hands and was probably a walk-in pick six you know so i I think you know we've talked about it the the bobcat defense is i think this i think what was neat to see because everybody's been going well their level of competition hasn't been great well they've been taking care of business at home because they've had so many home games against you know basically inferior opponents or at least the, the bottom half of the big sky and to go on the road and play as well as they did on defense uh, to see guys like Lance McCutcheon continue to 
ball out and, and essentially take over the game in a passing game to see Isaiah Fonte, who I know I said a few weeks ago, is he going to go down as the best running back to, to ever uh, be, be at MSU? I, I mean, he is making a legitimate case. That dude is a stud, and he is playing so well. Uh, what a complete complete win uh, on the road against, you know, <laughs> against a fantastic opponent in which it's just not easy to go there and, and, and play or, or, or and win. Uh, and you, as you said, 10 years, that's, that's a long time to not, not go to Chini and, and get a W. And so huge win for the Bobcats, uh, really, really putting themselves in a great position here with the last couple of weeks to go. I'm counting them up right now. I'm already at five, and I'm only to the four or the, into the fourth quarter. So there's six, seven times Eastern Washington went three and out. Ty, I've covered games with Eastern Washington in it probably 30 times. I'd never seen seven three and outs by Eastern Washington. No, it was incredible. Again, just a compliment to the defensive coaches, uh, defensive coordinator who had a great plan for, for those guys. I thought for the most part, they did a great job of keeping Barry in, in check. Uh, and, and, and you could tell they, I mean, they were getting frustrated. They, they couldn't do much. And so, uh, the, you know, the defense has played really well all year. I mean, I know we're going to get to our guys in Missoula, but um, just it's just for an old defensive guy, it's really, really fun to, to get to turn on a TV and watch uh, an outstanding defensive performance like that. They've been playing really well. Well, and it's accentuated by uh, certain factors we'll get to here in just a sec. But right out the gates, I was a little worried, uh, only because I thought that uh, Callahan O'Reilly has become sort of an emerging star. He's a good player. I think he's actually a very good player. I think he could be an all-conference player this year maybe, but certainly by the end of his career. But they were attacking him with their slot guys, and – the four-two-five that Montana State runs, a lot of times that's going to be the mismatch. Well, Tololo Limo Jones, one of the best receivers in the league. Callahan O'Reilly one-on-one against Tololo Limo Jones is not great. But Montana State made the adjustment to have Troy Anderson be the guy that's jamming the slots. But then Troy Anderson is also so athletic, he can also essentially spy the quarterback without actually being a spy. And oh, by the way, he can also run sideline to sideline, take away Eric Berry, break in the pocket, and oh, by the way, he can also tackle everybody coming across the middle of the field in space. I thought Troy Anderson, truly, I think he made himself as much money as he wants on Saturday. I think if that film is seen by NFL scouts, I think that's the one, man. I think I think that he increased his NFL stock, which was already high. But I mean, it's just such a luxury to have an uh, interior guy like that, right? We both know how special he is from, from an athletic and, and talent standpoint. He hasn't had the luxury of getting to, to, to sit in one position and really master that position. And so another position change and to see the way he's just taken, taken charge and, and, and learned the ins and outs of the position. Because I think you and I were both like, we know what he can do in space. We know he's a gifted athlete. How well is he going to do, you know, tackle to tackle and inside the box? And he, he's, he's just proven every week that uh, any, any, any doubt that he could go inside and play inside linebacker, he has squashed. Going back to Callahan O'Reilly, what a, what a nice job. Uh, he's done in terms of just developing. And, and uh, I mean, pe- people forget his first year in the program, he was our scout team quarterback, Coulter, okay? He went to Coach Houck and said, hey, you know, I, 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 did, I did both in, in, in high school, and uh, I loved playing defense. Would you give me an opportunity? Coach agreed to it, and he's just, uh, you know, he, he has really take, taken uh, charge of that defense. I believe he is one of the defensive leaders on, the, on that squad. Troy, Troy, Amandre, Chase, you know, Ty O'Connor, those guys are going to get a lot of the headlines. But Callah- Callahan O'Reilly has really proven to be a steady bell cow inside there. 
No question. He's a tough kid, hard hardworking kid. I think he's got the right mentality for sure. He also runs better than you think he might. Uh, pretty impressive. But uh, back to Troy Anderson because I know, I mean, the superlatives and all the things we could say about him, but he's just so unbelievable. Like, it, it, I, I really hope as much as we talk about him, as much as we write about him, I truly hope people are appreciating what we're watching. I mean, there was two plays I can remember from Saturday where Eric Berry rolled out, broke the pocket. Not one, not two, but three Bobcats had angles on Barrier, including Jeffrey Manning, who runs really well, Trey Webb, who runs really well, and Troy Anderson was the fourth guy in line of Bobcats, and he beat all three of his teammates to the spot, tackled Barrier out of bounds or forced him out of bounds for no gain. His size and speed and the combination of it all, it's just, it's breathtaking, and he's actually so dominant sometimes that he doesn't even make a play because he eliminates what his responsibility was on that play. I know you coached him on and off during his crazy carousel of position changes, and you've coached, I don't know, by my count, I think four dozen all big sky linebackers in your career. This guy has to be, just in terms of gifted, has to be one of the best. No, he is the best. I, mean, I don't know how else to say it. I, I have been fortunate to get to coach a lot of great players uh, throughout my time at, at Montana, Montana State in the big sky, 15 years of coaching guys like him. I, no disrespect to anybody, but unless you see it up close and personal, I mean, it, you can watch a game like, uh, okay, that's a good, that, that kid's good. You know, you can watch from the stands. You can watch it on TV. Unless you see it up close and personal culture, you've got no idea just how big and fast and fluid and smart and outstanding of a kid this, this guy is. It, it's, it, his career is going to be it, – it's such it, – I mean, obviously the history books is going to show first-team quarterback, first-team linebacker, all-conference this, all-American this. He's up for the academic award. Uh, th- this state has got to witness, in my mind, greatness over the last you know, four-plus four years now. Absolutely. The craziest part is he doesn't even practice. This year he's not even practicing. Every time they show videos of the practices, he's on the sidelines cheering on his teammates. He's developing at the highest rate I've ever seen an inside linebacker develop at by only playing in games. Coulter, I've told you, he he is one of those guys. And obviously, I don't know if there's such a thing as a perfect game. But he is one of those kids where if he makes a mistake, he corrects it and then doesn't make the same mistake again. It's just, it, it, it's, it's hard to describe, uh, but I'm, I'm telling you the truth. He, he just, he, he's such a sharp guy and he wants to be great. He's obviously got some God-given tools and, you know, thank, thank his parents for the, the, uh, the lucky line and, and the, the genetic tree because it, it's special. The kid is going to go down as one of the best football players that this conference has ever seen. Well, on the other I, side, I, too, then, Montana State, the defensive effort was accentuated. Those seven three-and-outs and, outs and uh, just the stuffing of Eric Berry in the Eastern Washington offense also complemented heavily by the fact that Montana State rushed for almost 300 yards. Afonso was just an absolute animal. 32 carries, 217 yards. I mean, man, you mentioned he's climbing up there on the all-time Bobcat list. He's climbing up there on the all-time Big Sky list for me, man. I mean, he's he's in the conversation with the Lex Hilliards and the Taiwan Joneses and the Chase Reynolds and... I mean, he's right there, man. And as far as, far as a tough inside runner, a, a short yardage type back, uh, he might be the one. And uh, it's a huge advantage for Montana State because, you know, I know there's a lot of talk about Brent Vegan, quarterback guru. They're going to throw the ball more. They've certainly thrown the ball a little bit more effectively. The emergence of Lance McCutcheon has played a huge factor in that. I actually still think that Matt McKay is probably the X factor to their season because I do think he does have, unfortunately, the ability to implode in a big game. But all that aside, Afonso is absolutely the bell cow. They have not really even seemed to pay much attention to saving him up. I think that they're just letting it ride and, and seeing how much he can handle, and he can handle a lot. But, uh, he, I mean, as far as tough runners, he's about as good as it's I've seen in the league. 
Well, Coulter, I, I, a couple things. One, remember what I was just saying about the way you know, physically Troy looked. I mean, if you saw Isaiah walk into class, you'd be like, eh, okay, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, in a hoodie. And now, don't get me wrong, the kid is rocked and well put together, but he's not a big guy. I've, I've told you, I've, I've said this his whole career. The guy runs bigger than he is. He is so tough, tackle to tackle. He's got great vision. But then, but then, what I have to say is, too, compliments to Coach Vegan and staff because I think they. Despite philosophy, and I know you know some of the quarterbacks that he's coached over the years, he 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 inherited a team that was built a certain way, and this team was built to run the football and and then you know play action and pass off of that. And I just think it's a it's a great job by him, not trying to completely maybe reinvent the offense or say, well that's that's great, this is what they've done here before, but now it's my show and here's what we're going to do. They're sticking with what they were built to do, and they're and they're doing it really well. I mean, to 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 think that assuming they finish the year uh, leading the league in rushing, how many years will that be in a row? Now it's got it's got to be three three or four years in a yeah, row. Yeah, 2018, 2019, and 2021. So yeah, it'd be three years in, three out of the last four, and they're the only team other than Cal Poly since Cal Poly joined the league to lead the league in rushing. Which which is incredible because Cal Poly was still part of those years that you just named running the triple option. And so, so for MSU to say, this is our identity. This is what we're going to do. We're going to do it really well. It's winning them a lot of football games. And, you know, you know I, I personally, just from what I'm, I'm watching as a fan, one really complements the other. There's not, you know, the offense and the defense. The defense complements the style of the offense and vice versa. And I think that's why you've got a, a team that, that hasn't lost a game now since early September against an FBS opponent. So, I mean, they, they and it looked like, too, I mean, what you said about Troy and, and not practicing, getting Chase back, Benson back and getting some of these dudes back and being smart throughout the week, knowing what they have in Troy Anderson and limiting his rep throughout the week is smart because now, now they put themselves in, in position to uh, make a, a great November run, make a championship run for a Big Sky title, which hasn't happened in a while, and then obviously set themselves up beautifully for uh, some more home football games here at the end of November, early December. On the Chase Benson note, I know you were around when he first came in at Montana State, and he was a good prospect coming out of Helena High. How comparable is his development to what you guys expected? Has he exceeded maybe the level you thought maybe he could get to when he was a young guy? I don't, I don't, well, I mean, he, he's, he's awesome. So, so yes, he's exceeded it, but I, I do believe we thought he, I thought we had a really good local prospect, uh, just a big frame, well put together. I mean, you, you've seen him up close. I mean, he is a man. He is a man child and, and has been so for a while, but, he, but the, the strength and conditioning staff and, and, and Chase Benson himself has developed into a fantastic football player. And it's neat to see Coulter. I mean, I, I, I don't know if you've done a write-up on him in the past, and hopefully you will, you know, as some of these seniors are, are, are uh, starting to write off in the sunset after <laughs> shoot with COVID. Some of them are, you know, five, six, seven years later in some of these programs. But Chase hasn't had it easy. He, he, he's had a lot of uh, adversity and, and, and stuff in his personal life that he's had to overcome. And so it's, it's a really great story. And, and to watch that kid uh, – who knows what his future holds, but, you know, guys like him are what defenses are built around, seriously, because, you know, we were talking about that second level with Cal and Troy and, and these guys uh, getting a lot of accolades. They get those accolades because of guys like Chase Benson. It is a great story, man. I mean, his physical development is one thing, and that's an awesome part of it. But the fact that, you know, he came in and, and he had a hard time with school. Now he's a 4.0 student. He had a hard time socializing with anybody. Now, look you square in the face, shake your hand. How you doing? So I, I think that that's really what this is all about. I mean, I know Chase Benson has aspirations to play on Sunday. He might get an opportunity to do that. I, I think he'll at least get 
uh, uh, sniff. Uh, but it's the other part I think that's so cool about all of this. And I think that that's why yourself, a guy who worked in coaching for a long time, I mean, myself, a guy that chronicles the stories of these kids as humans. I mean, I think that that's sort of what we like the most about this experience. It's the best part about it. I mean, people people ask me, I mean, so my, my last season was the 18th season. People ask me, you know, do you miss it? What do you miss about it? The, the, the first things that, that come out of my mouth are I miss the boys uh, and I miss Saturdays. And that's about it, Coulter. I mean, honestly, I mean, the relationships you make with the, with the young men and watching them develop and grow into men and, and then hopefully help them set themselves up to have a great future post-college. And then obviously Saturdays are, you know, the average uh, human doesn't get to experience what we get to experience on, on Saturdays being a player and a coach because there's nothing like it. So um, it, it, it is neat. I mean, that, that, is, that right there is the best part about college football. It's seeing, seeing guys like Chase, Chase Benson who, I mean, hey, Coulter, you know, cer- certain decisions, certain things, uh, you know, t- he, he takes a left or a right turn, you know, at some different points in his life. Uh, he, he's not getting to do what he's getting to do. He's not getting to get a college degree. And, and so it is, it, it is the best part about college athletics. The last one I want to ask you about from the Bobcat side of things, because I know that you coach defense exclusively during your coaching career, but you also had a hand in recruiting a lot of these guys, particularly for the Bobcats that are some of these super seniors. I know Lewis Kidd is one of those guys, and I know that you, you maybe were in touch with him before you made the transition from Montana to Montana State, but I remember when he was a redshirt freshman, I was walking down the hall behind him, and I just sent you a picture of him, and I said, left tackle, because <laughs> he just looked, I was like, well, this guy's playing some D-line, whatever, but looks like a left tackle to me, but I, he's he's done a pretty darn good job of doing whatever the coaches have asked of him. And now here he is with a pretty good opportunity in the future as well. I remember, so he went to Totino Grace High School, which is just north of Minneapolis. And I remember seeing him as, I don't remember if it was a sophomore or junior. And that's when I immediately, um, you you know, the great thing about college uh, football is you still have to go through the high school. There, there's not there's not club football. I know there's this seven on seven stuff, but it's still a very pure game in that you recruit high school football players. You go through the high school football coach. You know, Candace and I joke. Candace never even went into a high school. What did she recruit as a, as a as a college volleyball player? She recruited club you know club programs and went to tournament tournaments to watch club volleyball. And so. I remember that recruiting process. Uh, I mean, it was it was awesome. He's got a great great set of parents, and Sue Ann and, and Lewis Senior got an awesome sister. I told him, and, and this is not a joke. I told him during the recruiting process, and it's tough. You got to watch what you say, right? Because you know, kids want to hear what they want to hear. But I said, listen, if you want a shot at tight end, you can have a shot at tight end. If you want a shot at defensive end, which is what he originally started out as, have a shot at defensive end. But I believe you're going to be an all-American offensive tackle. And, you know, for, for especially D linemen, they don't want to hear that. I mean, they just don't. But I said, in the long run, Lewis, I think you're going to, you're going to be a fantastic uh, right or left tackle. And he's proven to be so. And, again, awesome story. Great young man. I mean, he, he, he is. I know you've gotten to know him over the years, but he's well-spoken. He's well-liked. I think he's, you know, he's just that type of guy. He's always in a good mood. He, he's, a, uh, he's a very special young man from the Twin Cities, you know, so it's, it is neat to see. Um, I, I, you know, part of me wished that I could have, you know, got to see that career play out in person, I guess. Uh, you know, a lot of people, I know you know this, but a lot of people, I recruited Lewis when I was still here at Montana. Right. And Lewis, Lewis visited Montana. 
And then I made the change to Montana State, and I said, hey, you got to come at least check this place out. Well, he fell in love with it. I, I think it just – I think – I'm not going to say that, that it was all me. It was not. I mean, if the kid's going to go where he's going to want to go, we had a great relationship. And I just think Bozeman aligned with what he was looking to do both academically – athletically and socially in regards to what they had school-wise for them, Bozeman itself, and then the type of, uh, the type of uh, teammates that, that, that attracted him to come play that he wanted to, you know. I mean, him and Chase are like best buddies. I think they've lived together now for four years, you know. So interesting that we're talking about those two guys in, in back-to-back segments. But, uh, yeah, it's, he's put together one heck of a career for himself. And, and hopefully, I don't, know what he, I don't know what his future holds. I, I, I got to believe just with his measurables, he'll at least get a look. To, to get a chance to maybe play after after uh, Montana State. Yeah, I think he's uh, an offensive guard at the next level, and he's played some guard in college. So I think that helps uh, quite a bit. I also always tease him because, as we know, offensive linemen have distinctly different personalities than a lot of guys on the team. I mean that in the best way because I'm an offensive lineman too, but he he has the makeup of an O-lineman, not a D-lineman. So I'm glad he found his way uh, to the, the right side of the trenches for sure. Oh, let's talk about the Grizz, Ty. Um, we've been talking about basically what the hell's going on with the Grizz for the last month. Even with all of the what the hell's going on with the Grizz the last month, they only lost one game in that span. And then on Saturday, they went to Greeley, Colorado. And I know it's an overmatched team. I know it's a Northern Colorado team that's had no success since joining the Division One ranks. But Montana put it to them. They threw the ball down the field. They looked explosive on offense. They looked functional on offense. Cam Humphrey looked great. Uh, the Grizz defense played with their hair on fire, took great pride in uh, tossing a shutout. And uh, first shutout, I was actually surprised by this, first shutout by Montana in 10 full years since back in 2011 when you were the D.C. at Montana. So uh, interesting there as well. But what did you think of the Grizz? Because it seemed like they turned a major corner even if it was an overmatched opponent they looked just like they played with a lot more snap on Saturday in Greeley well a couple things I, I think it was uh you know when you get your when you get your senior leader quarterback back I mean that 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 adds a spark I I think that well a couple things here Coulter one let, let's let, let's not let's not uh Northern Colorado had been playing better I mean you and I talked about that last week um they they had shown some signs signs of life when we when we watched them play shoot a month and a half ago or whatever it's been now in, in Bozeman, we're both going like, this, this is a division one football team. Come on now. And they had, they had, I mean, a week prior, they took Sac, Sac state to the end, you know, so they had been playing better for, for them to go down. And, and that's a tough road trip. I mean, that, that is not an easy place to go play. I, I you know, I, I, I never <laughs> really loved my trip down there other than a bunch of my old college buddies would come up and watch a game with their families. But it, it uh, I think Coach Houck said it best. In, in today's day and age, in, in today's modern football, it's really hard to pitch a shutout. I mean, just, just with the way offenses are built, the way the game is built uh, in, in some offensive regard, e- e- even, you know, e- even three points. I mean, just, just getting that shutout is really tough. I, I, I was impressed, honestly. I, I, I don't know if, if they silenced some of the critics or not. I've got to believe that, you know, in the first November game and, and heading into this final stretch to go down on the road, play a team that had been playing better and, and, and to beat them by, you know, four-plus scores and pitch a shutout, that, that's, that's pretty big time in my mind. It absolutely is, and it brings me to then what I've been thinking about all weekend, and that is that there's so much attention given to the Montana schools. That's a great thing. I mean, we're talking about them for hours a week between this show and my radio show and all this stuff. A lot of scrutiny, a lot of all that stuff. 
but also a lot of interest. I mean, gosh, I should like open a Grizz fan and a Bobcat fan therapy unit because I get my phone just blows up when things aren't going well for these teams. I don't know why they come to me. I guess they want some rational uh, reassurance or something. But regardless, here we are now, though, with all the bitching and moaning that we could possibly do about the Grizz for almost two full months. And everybody's wondering what happened to this team that beat Washington. And here they are. They're number, uh, I think, number nine this week in the country. They're seven and two. If they take care of business and flag, they're absolutely in the playoffs, and they set themselves up to maybe even get as high as the three or four seed in the playoff bracket if they can beat Montana State at home. So I think it just reminds everybody that football seasons are long and the ebbs and flows are profound and it's not really time to panic until you truly are losing games. I mean, this could be going a lot different for Montana than it has. Look at Weber State. They went 0-5 at home this year. That's amazing for a four-time defending Big Sky Conference champion. So I guess the lesson we learn here, Ty, is that you can't really press the panic button uh, too soon in a college football season. Well, no doubt. And I, I, I just think, you know, even if you look at the next level, Coulter, if there was ever a, a college football season in, in recent times that, that looked like there was a lot of funky stuff going on in the world, like a global pandemic, this is it. I mean, because, you, you know, who, who's really good at the next level? I mean, other than Georgia, you're sitting there going, OK, well, they can be beat. They have been beat. They've now got two losses. Florida's firing guys. They've got I don't even know how many losses now. Nebraska, the golden child who, who, who just, you know, who just whacked, you know, Matt Lubick and, and, and other coaches. I mean, it's it's a it's a crazy year in crazy times. And it's evident like every Saturday, every Saturday, you know. So I, I listen, I think that Montana has put themselves put themselves in position to accomplish every goal they set out to do. Now, they're going to need a little help. Uh, with, with some other teams the way it's set up now in terms of uh, in terms of a conference championship but I think for them they got to go on the road again back-to-back uh, road trips I mean you're going to go play at you know 7,000 plus feet down there never been an easy place to play no matter you know no matter what kind of outfit they had you just said it they go down and get a win this week and <laughs> that brawl you know where where some of the brawls have been for you know s- you know spoiler or you know position uh, seating position uh, that that brawl could be uh, for for a, for a lot of different marbles next next Saturday or I'm you know in two Saturdays from now. What's the weirdest part about fl- playing in Flagstaff? Not as a coach, but you can definitely see the players. I mean, it, it, that elevation is, is is challenging. I mean, we live in Montana at, at elevation, but not like that. And so you're just constantly preaching, you know, the the, the 48 hours b- prior and then the day of, obviously, just drinking as much water and getting as hydrated as you can. It's it's a funky place to play. And and with a team like Montana, I gotta believe they're gonna show well. Um, when that when that place gets rocking and they got the you know they got the clappers and different noisemakers. I mean, that that place can get really loud, as you know. You've been there. Uh, plenty, you know, so it's, you know, again, going on the road is not easy. It doesn't matter where it is. So just, just, just leaving the comfort of your own bed and leaving your routine in Missoula, that, that, that's tough. So, you know, it's a business trip. Coach Houck is a master at at keeping them focused in regards to going on the road. There's not a lot of screwing around. If, if any, that they're, they're born a plane with one thing in, in mind, that's going to get a W. Is Saturday in Bozeman, Senior Day, Idaho coming to town, a trap game for the Bobcats, or are trap games, is that even a real thing? I mean, of course, of course, it's a real thing because if you just said it, I mean, if you can think about it, it it can be done. So, uh, but no, I think that Montana State right now is mature enough. And they've got, you know, veteran leadership and a coaching staff that, that knows what's in front of them. 
I think that they're going to go continue to play really well uh, on defense offensively. You know, you've seen Idaho play defense recently. It, it can they, they can they can slug it out for a little bit. The question is, can they go for four quarters? And they've just kind of proven that they can't. So uh, I know they had the, the, the win last week, but um, I don't know. I just with, with the way Montana State is built offensively, I just see them wearing that that outfit out and, and uh, getting a, getting a, a, another big time win leading into the brawl. He's Ty Gregorak, joining us weekly here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Coach Ty, great stuff as always. Thanks so much for being with us, man. Thank you, Coulter. Have a great week. Alpine Touch is legendary around the state of Montana for providing delicious seasonings for every grilling occasion. Now, Alpine Touch offers so much more, from a savory new barbecue sauce to spicy pepper blends to tasty barbecue rubs. In addition to the classic, Alpine Touch has a variety of seasoning salts for whatever you need to spice up. Now that the holidays are over, Alpine Touch makes a perfect thank you gift to show your friends and relatives you love them. Alpine Touch, available at retail locations around Montana or online at alpinetouch.com. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. Big Sky Breakdown rolls up. Brooks Nuwana, SkylineSportsMT.com, joining us here. Big Sky Breakdown presented in part by Blackfoot Communications as well as Alpine Touch. Thanks to Blackfoot for being a part of all of our podcasting endeavors. Specifically, go check out our Catching Up with the Cats podcast. we got some sweet episodes rolling right now. Jody Owens, the latest, that will drop later on this week. Uh, the 2012 Big Sky Conference Defensive Player of the Year. And a guy who's been in college coaching ever since. Really interesting guy. One of my favorite players I've ever covered. Just go check out Catching Up with the Cats, a podcast series presented by Blackfoot Communications. Brooks, I know that uh, first time all year we've had both teams on the road, and we weren't, uh, you weren't at either game. I was at the one in Cheney between Montana State and Eastern Washington. But we'll start on the other side, only because I think it's a little bit less uh, in-depth of an analysis, but also it was the game that played first on Saturday. So I know you got the chance to watch the Grizzlies. Uh, I was listening on the radio. I have watched the game back on the replay. They looked way better, uh, and I have a, a lot of theories on as to why, but in your mind, what did you see out of the Grizz? Why did they look like they had a little bit more snap than they have in the last couple weeks? Yeah, I, you're right, Colton. They did have a little more snap, snap, and I think a lot of it was the game plan that they brought into the first quarter of that game, I think, would just fit what their personnel is so much better than what they've been doing. You know, the first play of the game was a little button hook to, to Cole Grossman for, for an eight-yard game. And guess what we've been saying, right? I mean, what do you need to do to get a quarterback into rhythm? Short, effective throws to a player that is in the middle of the field or a player that can secure the football and, and get downhill in some fashion. So that doesn't mean that you need to get your slot going. It doesn't mean you need to get your number one receiver going. And I thought that that idea of throw early and often actually played into getting Cam Humphrey into a rhythm um, and not have to rely on a run game that hasn't been as efficient as they hoped. Um, and then you're able to run the ball a little bit more effectively later in the game. So I thought that overall it was it was kind of a game plan identity you know, piece of it. I also thought Cam Humphrey came out and played more like what we've seen from Cam Humphrey. You know, I wouldn't call it his hair on fire by any means, but he definitely had a little bit more gusto. You know, he was running out of the pocket. He had a couple pocket escapes, Coulter, where I know you were driving and you got to rewatch the game extensively, but he had a couple escapes from the pocket where the thing collapsed on him. Uh, and he he 360 out of that thing and then took off. I mean, his touchdown run was darn impressive there, diving into the end zone, coming off that tough ankle injury. So I thought it was a little bit of Cam Humphrey. I thought it was a little bit of game plan. Um, and defensively, you know, they it was kind of a bend don't break day. They they didn't they didn't really rally to the ball with the same uh, with with the same e- um, effort that they have throughout the entire year. But that wasn't needed. It was a little bit more keep stuff in front of you, make sure tackles. Uh, Northern Colorado had a couple a, a couple shot plays on the sideline, a couple down the middle that you know were 10, 12 yard gains, but nothing nothing that hurt the Grizz. So defensively, it was a solid performance. But I thought offensively, it was definitely more of a get back to the drawing board and come up with a new game plan. 
fascinating to me that there was sort of this narrative that Northern Colorado had improved so much since they played the Bobcats, and then they got off to a pretty good start, and they were actually owning the line of scrimmage, particularly when Montana had the ball. Then they got Avalanche, and it just seems like the organization becomes so disorganized when they're up against the wall, and uh, I don't really think it's a coincidence that maybe their two worst performances were against the two best teams they've played this year. Interesting. Yeah, I think that that could definitely be it. I mean, teams play well against a variety of opponents for a variety of reasons. You know, I think that plays into the identity of, of how far you're going to kind of take it later in the season. Uh, you know, what, how would you get up for, for, for teams that are, quote, unquote, better than you? And um, do you play down to your opponent um, if that's the case? And, you know, great teams kind of do neither. They kind of stay the course and they always get up for every game. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say, but uh, it played well. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, not to take shots at Northern Colorado because who cares or wants to hear any of that, but I do think that I think one of the biggest misperceptions in the Big Sky Conference is that the teams that have perennially been the powers in the Big Sky Conference are that because of the talent that they have on their rosters. In fact, individually, it's nothing new that Northern Colorado, Portland State, and Sacramento State have a ton of talent. That's nothing new. They've always had great talent all the way across the board. I've seen this so many times, though. Those talented guys, they also, when they see Montana and Montana State in person, they get cocky because they think, man, this is just a bunch of, you know, and that's not to say that there's not physically intimidating guys on the Cats and the Grizz. In fact, some of the most physically intimidating guys in the league do play for both the Montana schools. But there's just sort of this perception that these are just some country bumpkins without any speed and we're just going to run all over them. I never forget Northern Colorado game 2012 when Claris Bumpus and Lelon Willingham and a bunch of great players were playing for Northern Colorado. And that team had, I think, four NFL guys, and they went 0-8 in league play. But they took everybody down the wire, and it took Cody Kirk 30 carries and 220 yards to make Montana State pull out. And I can remember early in that game, they were loving going against Cody Kirk. They were talking so much smack about this slow guy, blah, blah, blah. But then that's where the will comes in, and that's where the the, the uh, playing together comes in. And I think that that's why I love this level of football because it shows you that talent is so much uh, just one little portion of the equation. Learning how to win together, executing, playing for the greater good, having toughness and fortitude and outlasting an opponent and all those things. It's what makes football in the state of Montana great. So I just think it's interesting because you could actually see the talent disparity in the game against the Grizzlies early on the favor of Northern Colorado. I thought Northern Colorado's defensive front looks significantly more talented than Montana's offensive front, but then Montana figured it out. And all of a sudden, it's a 35 nothing win. So I guess what I'm saying is it's not always just about the dudes. Yeah, totally. Clarence Bumpus, man. You just named it a throwback that was a beast. <laughs> I loved Clarence Bumpus. I think he transferred from Kansas State. Whoa, dude, that dude could run. Uh, but yeah, no, Northern Colorado has talent. Uh, and I agree with you. And, and I, you know, I've always wanted to know because you can never get someone on record to actually tell the, the darn truth about, hey, you play in front of 26,000 people at Washington Grizzly State. Is it hard to go on the road and play in front of 800 people? They always say, no, we don't care where we play. It's like, ah, I think it is probably pretty hard. Uh, luckily, down at uh, down in Greeley, it was 65 degrees and sunny, and you know how that Denver area sun gets, you know, beautiful football weather. Uh, so I, I don't know if it played in this week, but I agree with you, Coulter. I mean, it, it's a program top-down thing, and that's the other part is that while you talk about talent, yes, there is top-end talent at uh, Northern Colorado, Sac State, Portland State, every year, year in, year out. But a lot of it falls back to depth issue. You know, can they play 50, 50, 55 guys? Um, we're at Montana, Montana State, Weaver State, Eastern. That is going to be the fact. Um, and, you know, I'd probably argue that Eastern is a little bit more top-heavy than a lot of those teams. And that's why when they're good, they're good. When they're not, they can get beat. So that depth issue definitely plays into these, these schools a little bit more national acclaim. 
Anything else you took from the Grizz game? Or um, I guess what do you think of the dynamic of now, despite all the uh, scrutiny and analysis and all of it, Montana is sitting here at 7-2. and two. They're back in the top 10, and they have their destiny in front of them. If Montana can win at Northern Arizona, they're into the playoffs for sure. And then the, the Bobcat game is simply for seeding. And if they win the last two... This team could be what? The three, the four, the five seed? They'll be right exactly where maybe you hoped and expected them to be. So still a lot to get done, but just interesting to see how much we've scrutinized the Grizz, yet here they are in almost the exact position I think people predicted that they would be in. Yeah, it's similar. You know, you trade out uh, you trade out Sac State loss and the Washington win. You trade those two and it'd look a lot like you thought, you know. Lose to Washington, lose to Eastern. Just kind of sit right where, right where it very likely would have been either way. The other takeaway I had, Coulter, was, you know, the pass rush has slowed for the Montana Grizzlies. I think that's due to a little bit of injury. It's due to a little bit of, you know, not even fatigue. It's just trying to find legs at this point of the season and, and motivation to really get after it the way they did those first four or five weeks. I mean, it was one of the most impressive defenses that we've seen, right, Coulter? I mean, there's no denying that those first couple of weeks of the season, they were getting after it. And, you know, Patrick O'Connell broke his hand or hurt his hand against Eastern Washington, had a couple of guys on the edge that have been banged up and, not to say that they're not getting pressure. It's just not quite the same ferocity I think this team would like to have to make a deep playoff run. And then we talk about the run game. Yeah, the run game is still a touch stagnant. Even though Junior Burgers is chugging away at yards, he had some good runs on Saturday. And I think the kid has a ton of potential. I don't know if it's that running back. I think he's going to play a lot of snaps for the, for the Montana Grizzlies and, and be very productive at you know probably multiple positions. I don't think that that's out of the question for him to catch the football and run the football. Uh, maybe in the return game, you know, I think he has a very bright future. He's just a young guy, uh, a little bit slight of frame right now, and uh, I think that'll change. But, you know, when we talk about this, we always say, it, you know, we're projecting for, like, the big picture, the playoff picture. What does that look like? Well, if they get after the quarterback and they find a way to run the football a little bit, uh, especially if they get some home games, which is very likely, they get into the FCS playoffs, which, again, that is also very likely. Yeah, the Montana Grizzlies are looking good, and I don't think that you could, you know, with a season with so many young guys that like we always talk about, I don't think that you can, you know, hang your head at this point of the season. I think you're probably feeling pretty good, especially if Campbell Humphrey stays in there and stays healthy. Uh, we've said it, you know, I don't know if he's a legend by any means. I don't know if he's the greatest quarterback we've ever covered. I think that's for sure a no, but he is definitely serviceable. I think that he can push it to the playoffs. Um, you know, he made some good throws on, on Saturday. I was impressed. He had a feed ball up the middle. Uh, to Mitch Roberts, about an 18-yard throw on him. I mean, just, I mean, he lasered it in there, man. There was a lot of arm strength going on there. And, you know, throws I've seen him make before. So if he stays in that rhythm, I think the, I think the Grizzlies are right where they should be. As you mentioned, I think that they uh, also have a lot to play for. Big Sky Breakdown presented in part by Alpine Touch. Enter our fall giveaway through ESPN Radio and Skyline Sports. we got a Traeger Grill, a boatload of Alpine Touch, and a beef box from Haymaker Beef. Or we got an Otter Box and a Grill courtesy of Twisted Tea. All you have to do is subscribe to this podcast, subscribe to Nuanas Now, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and then follow all of those entities, Alpine Touch, Haymaker Beef, ESPN Missoula on Instagram next week, right before the rivalry game between Montana State and Montana Missoula. We'll be giving away those two great prizes. And once you follow all of us uh, on those entities, by the way, text in 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. We'll get you entered in for our awesome fall giveaway. Let's talk about the Bobcats, Brooks. Uh, Montana State is only a three-point win on the scoreboard but they dominated eastern washington they kicked their ass i thought that they won the game in every element that they needed to their young corners stood up they made the proper defensive adjustments their young coordinators were uh fully willing willing to embrace the moment uh, matt mckay played well i thought he could have played better but he even he played better than he could have played after struggling for the last couple weeks made a couple crucial plays but really it was just the big dogs playing as well as they possibly could whether it was troy anderson or uh, lewis kidd without taylor tuyasasopo in the lineup 
on the offensive line or Isaiah Fonse and 217 yards rushing or Lance McCutcheon in another beast mode game where he had five catches for 150 yards including a 67 yard touchdown your thoughts on Montana State's victory on the red yeah, man. I mean, I thought that they came out in Eastern Washington. They, they forced a three and out from a prolific Eastern Washington offense. I thought it was kind of a, 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 a you know a sign of the rest of the day, a sign of what was to come. Uh, Montana State played awesome uh, defensively and offensively. They played like they continued to keep playing. You know, very consistent. There's not. There's, they're going to have a big touchdown um, or maybe two, and they're going to play between the 20s really effectively and efficiently. And Isaiah Fosse is going to just get his. I mean, he's the best running back in the country. I don't think it's close. Um, you know, there's probably a, a couple leagues that could have a guy that, you know, South Dakota State kids run it really well right now. You know, you could go down the line. But I think Isaiah Fosse, for what he means for his team and the style that he runs with, um, it's just punishing, and it wears people down. And we saw that. We talked about it, you know, extensively trying to compare the Montana um, Eastern game with with what we would see from Montana State against Eastern. And you know, Eastern was able to to, to come down and thump the Grizz a little bit, and when the Grizz were trying to run the football, and we knew that would not happen, and that played out pretty, you know, effectively for Montana State. There was not uh, Isaiah Fawcett did not end any carries on his back. You know, he was finishing on front. Um, he was finishing forward every single play. And as you mentioned about Lance McCutcheon, man, first team all league style of season, a kid has just come out, not even of left field because he's, you know, he's been a guy that's been, you know, active and playing for the last couple of seasons. But, you know, if you told me that Lance McCutcheon was going to end his career, his senior year as a first team all league style player, I would have said that kid's got a long way to go. And he's gone that way. You know, he's gone that far. Uh, he's, he's, that touchdown was impressive, man. I mean, you know, broke broke off a defender, the spin move on the sideline to go get it, score score that thing. I mean, darn impressive. And then you see Matt McKay continue to chug away and, and be so consistent and steady and doesn't really seem to get rattled. You know, even though he doesn't have a great day passing football, he continues to, to put the ball in the market when he needs to, especially between the 20. Montana State looked really good, man. Troy Anderson played so darn well. That that defense, you know, they're, they're running the 4-2-5. So two linebackers on the field with a big nickel and Ty Okada. You know, that defense, if it starts to get stressed, it, it can fall apart on you kind of quickly. Just just do the nature of what, what the second level looks like. Um, if you start to spread that, that shell of a secondary out and you only have two linebackers, one being a really traditional inside guy like Callahan O'Reilly, we think of Troy Anderson being able to run around play on the edge. You know, Troy Anderson could play safety. I think we all know it. I think Troy Anderson could play all 24 positions, including both head coaches. The idea that you have a really traditional guy like Callahan O'Reilly, you start to spread that defense out. That can be an issue in the middle there, and it was for parts of the second quarter. Um, they were starting to get gashed a little bit, and, and Eric Berry started to get get going, and he threw that touchdown to Lemu Jones in the corner of the end zone. We both thought, you and I both called a, you know NFL-style pass that was just a dime. And then after that, Montana State buckled down and barely let anything else happen. And, you know, they played really well. They look like one of the best teams in the country. I think they're going to be ranked that way for the rest of the season, uh, going in, especially going into Cat Grizz. I think they'll take care of business against Idaho. But going into Cat Grizz, man, it's going to be a real, a real battle. But Montana State's playing really, 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 really well. I, I know we both thought the Cats were really talented, the most talented team in the league. Our vote at Skyline Sports for the preseason polls was for Montana State. Yet they have they have exceeded my expectations, yet they haven't played their peak game yet. And I think that's what's left me so pleasantly surprised with this Bobcat team. I think that it really couldn't have gone better. I don't really actually even know if there is a better scenario than having a team that was recruited by Jeff Choate and then left by Jeff Choate and then taken over by this style of coaching. I don't know if this style of coaching will ever work this well again. I don't know if we'll ever see this group of talent 
again. But it it seriously is like the most serendipitous thing you could possibly draw up. And I think there's a lot of key factors to it, including the players themselves more than almost any other factor. But all that said, I mean, we had high expectations and these guys have exceeded them, I think. Yeah. And like you said, man, they haven't put it on. I mean, that was probably their most complete game against Eastern there. You know, I'm trying to think through because there was times that you know, they've beaten teams 45 to 7, and they weren't playing that great. You know, what, you know, defensively, they've been so solid. But, but offensively, I mean, they've always they've been able to run the football. But there was the beginning of the year. There was a couple of games where it was like, after the Wyoming game, it was like, huh, I wonder if, wonder if this offensive line shakeup was the right choice here. This isn't looking great. But I, and Fosses just continued to pick up ahead of steam. You know, I think he's playing with house money at this point as far as the momentum that he's playing with. But, yes, they have exceeded my expectations as well, Colter, and they – they're one of the better teams I've seen in a long time as far as what the talent level is and how it's dispersed, you know. We keep saying it that very few teams have real true uh, too deep, you know, especially at this level. You have a couple of positions that you can roll some guys in. But they, I mean, they can really play almost across the board their whole backup. I mean, they have, they'll have they roll some guys in the second level on the defensive front. Sebastian Valdez has been getting in there as a starter, but he's a true freshman. He's 260 pounds, looks the part. You know, they have Nebraska transfer they can roll in there. They have Byron Rollins who's in you know, has lettered three three seasons in a row. And, they, I mean, they have guys that they can put in that are just darn impressive. So, yeah, Montana State is one of the more top-to-bottom talented teams I've seen in a, in a very long time. And another piece of it, and I've talked extensively to Coach Beacon about, um, they're young specialists, you know. I mean, I think Blake Lesnar has come in. He's leading the league in, in field goals made. I think field goals attempted. And as a true freshman, that's hard to do for a team that's this senior laden with this much experience. It's hard to go perform like that. And he's done every bit of that. So across the board, top-to-bottom, their special teams units, that's one of the things you can always tell-tell sign, right, Colt? Some of the best teams we've ever covered, being Montana, Montana State teams, dynamite special teams units they have stars that play on special teams and and montana state definitely has that is there such thing as a trap game and if so do these two schools have trap games this weekend i do think there's such thing as a trap game um i do not think that either of these teams will fall to that um as as far as a loss goes i do think that you could see him come out i don't i I don't think so colter i think there's too much of the line for that cat grizz where the rivalry's been going and trending with montana state winning four in a row I don't think that either either of these teams, I think it's gas pedal to the frickin' metal. Like, every second of the rest of the season, I think, is going to be, you know, big boy football. And, I, and that's going to be a top-down leadership thing. I, I think that that's the way that Vegan and Halker are going to roll. I mean, they're going. You know, it, it's going to be take care of business and win. I think you want to win convincingly this weekend so that no matter what happens in Cat Grizz, your resume will stand up against anything, especially for the Montana Grizzlies. So, no, I do not think that either of these teams – I do believe in trap games. I, I really, really do. Um, I don't think uh, – Montana State almost had one against Idaho State, you know, with the, right before – with the bye week before Eastern. Idaho State came into, into Bozeman. And, I mean, it was 10 to 7 at half. It was like – it could have – it felt like a trap game. Uh, but it was more of just an anomaly, I think. But, um, yeah, I do think that these teams are going to be full go, and I don't think either will, will trip up. Big Sky Breakdown, Brooks Nuanas, best around. We'll be back at it with a full-fledged one next weekend. Maybe we'll even record it on Sunday because I'm going to be in Bozeman. But either way, thanks so much for making some time this week, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me. At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond. Through Blackfoot sponsorships, local ambassadors, and public programs, we support initiatives such as the Emergency Broadband Benefit, Fiber Deployments, and Community Events. For information on our commitment to improving our communities with fast, reliable, and secure internet access, go to blackfootcommunications.com news. 